Hello, this is Dr. AJ, and this is my podcast on matching healthcare with patterns of patient use. Primary care, secondary care, tertiary care, quaternary care. These labels group our available health services so that we can match investigations and treatment with the severity and complexity of health conditions. Primary care generally refers to prevention and promotion activities, which usually is the care provided by family doctors, nurse practitioners, family practice nurses, pharmacists, physiotherapists, and several others that are available in community-based settings. Secondary care refers to hospital, institution, and nursing home-based care. Hospital care applies to both acute and chronic conditions, and institutional care is linked to the care of the aging and disabled populations of citizens who have care needs requiring more attention and support. These services are needed for more complex illness presentation and increasing frailty. They require the involvement of specialists and sometimes hospital stays. Emergency rooms provide a combination of primary and secondary care. Tertiary and quaternary care involve more critical type of care such as that in intensive care units, critical care units, trauma care in emergency rooms, surgery, and in-hospital care that follows serious and life-threatening deterioration in health. Services for home-based care and hospice care are available to support all four groups. However, at the present time, they require more resources, development, and coordination so as to be available evenly across our province. Although these services are distinctly different and considered separately, people often need multiple services that then have to be coordinated so that they are continuous and remain responsive as people journey through illness and then recovery. Primary care is the foundation that supports the person and their family. It is intended to be the place where all the information and the patient return after any escalation in their health needs. It is intended to offer health care continuity for people and their families, to have follow-up, and to manage what people need over time and across generations. For example, when a diagnosis of breast cancer is made, the risk of breast cancer in first-degree relatives is considered higher than average. A family doctor is expected to record relevant family history such as this and recommend appropriate prevention, examination, and testing in order to manage the risk of this condition not only in the person but also in their family members. When the family doctor communicates with a specialist, such risk factors are presented as part of the health history. When such recording and communication is managed well by tools available to care providers, care is better coordinated and is much more efficient. With the use of new electronic services, medical health information can be given directly to patients to develop deeper understanding of their own health needs. So why don't we just expand services that we need 
make the system more efficient, and continue to hire doctors and pay for e-health tools, hospital, home care, and institutional care services? Well, in part, it has to do with the fact that we have limited resources. And in part, the statistics and the questionable application to real-world analysis all become part of the answer to this complex question. Consider the long wait time to see your family doctor. Health Quality Ontario reported that access to primary care in Ontario is worse than in 10 of the OECD countries. It reports that fewer than 44% of patients have access to same-day or next-day appointments with their family doctor, despite 94% of them having a family doctor. In communities, in rural communities, in fact, this number falls to 28%. What is missing in statistical information such as this is how it actually applies to the front lines in primary care. As an example, there are seasonal variations in utilization of health services by people. During October, when flu vaccinations take place, most family doctor clinics are busier than average to accommodate this added service. During the months from December to March, the flu alone contributes to increased demand on doctors' services to care for people with varying degrees of severe infection. To date, there has not been any assessment of capacity of care within a primary care setting and how it varies with demand for services. This issue, year upon year, predictably causes overcrowding in emergency departments, walk-in clinics, and family doctor's offices. The 811 telephone-based health assistance in Nova Scotia is helpful to triage patients looking for health advice, but it does little to increase the actual capacity for care in the settings where these patients need to be seen and treated. Imagine looking at this recurring issue and studying the predictable pattern of increase in demand for services across the human lifespan and then matching it with the capacity for providing care during times of increased demand rather than just looking at how long it takes to get an appointment with your family doctor a different picture begins to appear. And our understanding of solutions that will actually result in reducing wait times begins to emerge. It would herald the beginning of rethinking and regrouping health service delivery based on fluctuating demand and utilization. It would consider supporting capacity within each service, whether primary care or tertiary care, based on age, illness, and recovery. It would also challenge all of us to come together and start to look from the ground up to match real-life health service need and delivery. We could set up testing of such interventions that are solution-focused. We could then study their effectiveness and modify them as needed to evolve our system of service delivery.